Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am so glad you are here today. I am thrilled to bring my guest to you today. You're going to love this interview so much, especially if you have a sales background or if you're a CEO who's looking to grow sales. This is a good one. My guest today is Mr. Ari Galper. Ari is the founder and CEO of Unlock the Game, and he is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling. He's been featured in CEO Magazine, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Sky News, and the Australian Financial Review. And this episode is fantastic. He talks about how trust is the most important currency in the new economy, and that the act of selling is a dehumanizing process with the endless chasing, chasing the ghost, as he calls it. And he has completely reinvented and anchored his sales approach in the timeless values of integrity and trust through trust-based selling. In his best-selling book, Unlock the Sales Game, Ari describes his revolutionary sales approach based on getting to the truth, not getting the sale, getting to the truth, and why having a mindset of focusing on deep trust instead of close the sale is, ironically, 10 times more profitable. I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Please give me feedback on it and you hang tight and I'll be right back with Ari. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Ari Galper. I'm so excited for this interview today. Ari, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. All right. So burning question after reading through all my material, you have to tell us how you became the world's number one authority on trust-based selling. Sure. Sure. So it all began with a story that happened to me about 20 years ago when I was a sales manager at a software company. And uh, I had about 18 people underneath me, salespeople, and we launched the first online website tracking tools, you know, like the Google Analytics, where you can collect information about websites. And we were launching that back then. It was all kind of new and fresh and the big leads came across my desk that came through our website. So this one contact called in. I got the phone call. Huge company and lots of websites. And he wanted to see our product. So we agreed to a conference call and a demo. And the day finally came at 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. And it was such a big opportunity. If I close this one sale, it would double the business for one transaction. That's how big it was. So the day finally came, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in my conference room with my CEO. And I closed door behind me. Big, long conference table. The middle table is the old school speakerphones. And um, I dialed this, the audio speakerphone button, hit the button, and it came up. And I dialed the number. And my guy's like, hey, Ari, how's it going? I said, good. And he says to me, Ari, let us tell you who's with us on the phone today. I said, great. Next thing I hear is, my name's Mike. I'm CEO. I was like, ooh, this is good. My name's Chris. I'm head of global IT. This is even better. My name is Mike. I'm head of global marketing amazing i mean everybody on this call was a decision maker like if it's going to happen it's going to happen today because they all are there right and so i introduced myself then we like logged in to give a live demo of their website tracked in real time with our information and live data and i'm showing this to them describing how it all works and i started hearing these noise on the phone call like wow this is great this is amazing this is a fit this is great we love this they start asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we sell it? Uh, who are your clients? And of course, I had all the answers. I was competent. I, you know, I knew my stuff. There was so much chemistry on this phone call. It was like a love fest on the phone. <laughs> I'm talking about the client. 
I do. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels so right. You're like, oh, God, there's no resistance. This is so good. An hour goes by. They're loving it. I'm having an amazing call. I'm like, this is the dream come true. Call comes to a close. My contest is me. Ari, this is amazing. We love it. Look, give us a call a couple of weeks. Follow up with us and we'll move this thing forward. I'm like, oh, perfect. What an amazing call. Great ending. Great next step. And I say my goodbyes and I take my arm and my hand to reach for the speakerphone on the on hit the off button on the phone. And I was reaching for the off button, but by complete accident, I hit the mute button instead of the off button. They were right next to each other and a small click happened and they thought I hung up the phone. And that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, go to the dark side, be a fly in the wall. Go where no one's ever gone before in the world of sales. You have nothing to lose. So I pulled my thumb back for a couple seconds. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Now, you may know the story already, but what would you imagine you would have heard the call like that? What would you expect to hear from people like that after the call they just, that we just had together? How great you were. <laughs> of course. No, not even me, just the product. Like, yeah, the we're product, excited. product, right, exactly. Your company, all of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, good things. But let me share with you what I heard verbatim word for word. It's why we're all here today. What they said was that they said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Knife and heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I mean, I could not believe it. I snapped out of it, hit the off button, looked the wall, and I said to myself, what did I do wrong? I was honest. I was truthful. I was consultative. I was at a value. I did everything I was taught to do by the sales gurus over the years. And the first big, and that, the question that I asked myself was this, why were they afraid to just tell me the truth? Yeah. Why this lying? Why these games? And, and, I, and I had a big epiphany. And I realized that somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell, right? Yeah. It's okay to say things like, sounds good. Send me information. Oh, we're definitely interested. Oh, wait, send us a what? Send us a proposal. Yay without any intention of moving forward. And I asked myself, why is this going on? And, and I realized there's this invisible kind of flow of pressure that flows underneath every call you have with someone in your sales process. Now you can't see it and they can't see it, but boy, they can feel it. And if you aren't consciously aware of removing the pressure from your sales process all the time, what will happen is their guard will always be up. They'll only give you just enough for you to be excited about. It will never tell you the truth. And that's where I began to realize this is a, a, a dysfunctional, horrible game going on in, in the market in this industry. And I got to make a, a change here. And I decided to shift my whole mindset and teach a whole new way of thinking about this, where you let go of your goal of the sale and you focus only on building deep trust with someone where they feel comfortable and vulnerable enough telling you the truth. Because if you focus on that goal, then you can basically have a trust-based conversation, not be up here playing the sales game, chasing ghosts, hoping they call you back and playing the numbers game. That became the whole shift. And what I got known for over the years as uh, for Unlock the Game, our sales system, 
which is now, you know, impact thousands of people over the world. Yeah. So good. Great story, by the way. Um, I can only imagine um, how shocking it was. Did you ever call them back? Just curious. Good question. People always ask me, Ari, what, what would, you know, what would you do now if you knew what you knew now 20 years before? And, yeah. and actually, no, I didn't call it back. They disappeared on me. But what yeah. I would have done was this. And that is that I never would have had the call because on the first call, I would have got the truth. Yeah. I would have been seduced into the next call, which is what happens all the time. We get that inbound call. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got the call. This is so. And you just get sort of elevated to a whole new space. And you lose your grounding. And that's what we'll talk about today, how to break that, that pattern and conditioning. Tell us the premise behind the Unlock the Game mindset. Okay, sure. So to do this, there's sort of three myths we have to kind of delodge from, from our old thinking around what we believe selling is. And one of those myths is that sales is a numbers game. Yep. I'm sure you heard that before in your career oh, and yeah. your job, your work, that it's all about how many contacts you make, right? Because the more contacts you make, supposedly, the more sales you make. Well, we discovered it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep you go on each conversation, how good you are at trust building, not how good you are, how many contacts you make. The other myth to kind of clean out is the idea that the sale is lost at the end of the process. Now we discovered the sales in this economy now is lost at the beginning of the process at hello. And I'll prove it to you right now in a fun way. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning and you pick up the phone and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? Oh, God. Another call? Another cold call? No. <laughs> it's over at hello. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that your folks listening today are making outbound calls, but I will make the case today that many of them are losing their opportunities at the beginning of their process and not the end, which will really shift their thinking. And the last myth to clean out here before I get into the principles is, is the idea of rejection. That rejection is supposed to be part of the sales game. You know, it came from the old sales managers that have you, if you don't, if you're not thick skinned, if you're not tough enough, if you can't take a no, if you're not resilient, you're not made for success. Well, we discovered that rejection actually is triggered by certain things you say and do unconsciously that cause the other person to put their, their guard up. And now you're fighting resistance against resistance. And I'll share with those, 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 those things today to remove those to help people make their breakthrough. That's kind of how we clear yeah. out the, the, the hard drive to, to move in the principles. Yeah, I love that. I actually just experienced this myself today. I was on really? the uh, on the call with a person I'm looking at at book publishers now and and I was just instantly turned <laughs> off by this person's like all about me, all about me. And I was trying to be funny, but it just wasn't. And, uh, and I didn't have any of that, like instant trust, instant connection. And then basically it was like, you know, what you have your book ready, like, this is what we'll do. And there was no, like, I'm here to walk you through the process. He literally in, gave me about five pages worth of information verbally <laughs> in 20 minutes. And then I was like, well, I can't like understand all of this, especially to compare apples to apples to make sure that I understand because every book publisher does something different. You know, can you send me, you know, send me a document that like really explains all this to me. It's like, well, I don't have that. I was so frustrated and I did exactly what that was. I was like, well, send me what you have, you know, and then I'll call you back. 
I'll call you back once I've reviewed it. And I know I'm not going to call him back. So, uh, you know, but the whole thing was, is that I can see him in that, in that mindset, right. Of, you know, I've got to push through this rejection. Rejection is going to be okay. Like I could see all those myths, those three myths right there playing out in the call of that in his mindset. So it's really interesting to listen to you talk about those things and just be able to experience somebody's belief in those myths as they were trying to sell me today. It was, um, it was very frustrating. The more you can step out of the conversation yourself, like you are right now and look yeah. down on it, watch what's happening. You will realize yeah. that people are still conditioned from the 1980s yeah. to still just spray and pray because what they're yeah. doing is hoping that if they educate you and over deliver, you'll somehow mm -hmm. go fantastic. Where do I sign? Which is so over people don't need see what I discovered is that complexity equals fear. And what happened with you is you could you, you pulled down and got fearful and constrained because it's all too complicated. But yep. if they and simplicity equals trust, you see what he wasn't yep. able to do is make it simple and easy for you to say yes. So you had to pull back. Now the game begins and the whole dysfunctional practice starts. Yep. Yeah, um, I totally see it. In the moment, all I understood, all I was thinking about was how annoyed I was. Of course. But uh, you I'm know, scary. through this conversation, I can I can absolutely see you know, the belief in those myths and, and not, and not stepping out of his own self, right. To build that relationship with me. Like he, he has no idea what my book is even about. See for him, it was all about him. Yeah. You were not yep. part of the process with what happened yeah. on that phone call. You are just, he's doing robotic processes. He was taught to do by his company, which was educate yeah. you on the solution. What he didn't yeah. do, he did not diagnose your problem like a doctor would with the patient. That's our model. Yep. Our model is doctor-patient relationship, where it's problem-centric, not solution-centric, you see? And his he wasn't able to get over that. And what we'll talk yep. about today is how to shift your thinking into a process. And I'm working on a new book actually coming out next this year called The One Call Sale, which is how to compress your sales cycle from multiple steps into one single conversation. Yeah. Where at the end, it's a yes or no without pressure at all. And that will be yeah. the ultimate solution everyone's been dreaming about in the sales world because they're so used to chasing ghosts who never call them back. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Okay. Well, that's a great segue. Sorry. That's my, that's an internal joke. It's a great segue. That's a great segue into, um, into my original question was the premise behind. So thank you for lining out the myths. So now yes. how do they use the, how do people use the unlock the game mindset to, yes. to build that trust with their clients? Correct. So there's, there's a couple of principles behind this and it's some tactical ideas as well. So I developed my own, what we call trust-based languaging, words and phrases that elicit that, that truth-based conversation without scripting and all that stuff that we all hate um, based on a, a couple of principles. And the first principle is the idea that you have to always be diffusing pressure out of the conversation, taking pressure out because that builds trust with people. Let me give you a real scenario right now, an example of how to use this. Let's say you're having a first call with somebody over the phone, potential client, and good chemistry, good conversation, and in your mind, you're like, they could be a good fit. You get all excited about this, and the call kind of comes to a close. Normally in sales, we say things like what? How about we get together, move forward, next step? Because we're conditioned to move yep. things where? One step forward at a time. <laughs> Correct. But what yep. happens? If you attempt to move things forward and they aren't ready yet at the beginning, what do you break with them right at the beginning? 
Yeah, they get annoyed. Yeah, they feel pressure. That's right. But we're so conditioned the next step. You can break it right there. So same scenario, our mindset, our languaging. Call is going well, good chemistry, could be a good fit. Call comes to an end. Ryan's saying, great. How about we move forward? What we say instead is this. We say, where do you think we should go from here? Yeah. And I'll say it again. Where do you think we should go from here? Now, how does that shift the moment with, with the person you're talking to? What's happening in their mind? Yeah, it's like, ooh, I, I get to be in charge of this. I get to decide what I want to be able to do. And it probably allows them to, the opportunity to maybe be honest to say, I don't know if this is going to work. First of all, when you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They're usually in a state of shock. Yeah, right. Of they course. can't believe <laughs> somebody in business would yeah. ask what they want to do yeah they're so used to people taking them down a, a linear process they know it a mile away the minute they hear it their mind goes up oh, i'm going to pull back now because here i go i'm going to be sold in this process so when you say that to somebody you're right they say things like well I, i've got one more question well, well what about this and what yeah. comes out is the truth yeah. and that's your goal your goal is to elicit the truth from people not the sale that's a huge shift in thinking is we're so conditioned to move people towards the sale and what mm -hmm. i'm saying is the premise here is you will lose so much more of your time in sales by focusing on your goal but instead if you focus on the truth between the both of you and you build i'm not saying you're not trustworthy but if you build conscious trust with them and they feel the sense that you're genuine and authentic with them and you care about them what a concept you actually care about them then everything changes based upon our model. I love it. All right. So what's the second principle? That's, that's the first. Second one is the yeah. idea of what I, what I say is getting to the truth of people. And what does that mean? What that means, it sounds a bit abstract, but let me kind of make it more, more tangible. What that means is building a moment of vulnerability with them where they feel comfortable telling you the truth. And you know where you stand with them from the beginning. Let me give you an example of this. Only recently, someone called my office and they got through my team. They got to me. The phone rang unsolicited. I picked the phone up and I heard Mr. Galper. I said, yes. He says, my name is John Johnson. I'm changing the name. I'm with XYZ Company. Big, huge company. You reckon they're a global brand. Uh, we're looking to bring someone in to train our sales force. We're looking at you and a few other people. We'd like to know, first of all, uh, why should we go with you? Why are you the best? And give me your best sales pitch. He says this to me. <laughs> that's what the game that's in the world he's in. So I took a deep breath. I lowered my voice. I got centered into my mindset. I calmed, centered, and I said to him, well, isn't that interesting? And there was a long pause. And then I said, over here at our company, we have a similar process to you where we ask a couple questions, see if we're a good fit, and then for a good fit, we decided where to go from there. I said to him, would you be open to that? And there was dead silence on the phone, not a word. I was like, oh my God, he's still there. It's just like quiet. Then his breath came to the phone like you have a sigh of relief. You can tell his shoulders came down. He lowers his voice and he says to me, uh, okay, um, what kind of questions do you have for me? Next thing I know Within five minutes, I discover, one, he's not a decision maker. Two, he has no budget. 
And three, he's just curious as to what I do. And off he went to my website for some for my for some information I had on there. I hung up the phone. Now, what did my process just save me months of? Chasing something that was never going to come to be. Chasing ghosts. Yep. Time, energy, and it's this drug in our bodies, and it's triggered with, with calls like that. You know what it's called, that drug? It's called hopium. <laughs> you know that hopium? <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, honey, guess what? I got the call. I'm so excited. Feed you this year. Yeah. I'm so I got the call. We get we get all pumped up because we think we have a possible sale. And now we're in this new la la land chasing this person. You call them, they're not there. You get their voicemail, like, what the why is he not there? Then you go to your laptop or your computer and you open your email and you write an email to him. You say, Hi, I'm writing you to what? To follow up on our conversation i'm going to ask you right now and your listeners to take a, an oath with me a verbal one to for the rest of your careers to never again use this phrase i'm about to give you in selling ever again and here it is this might hurt just a bit for those of you who've been in sales for a long time but i'm going to ask you to never again as of this recording use the phrase follow-up ever again for the rest of your career I, and I ask the audience, how many of you have used follow up in the few last few weeks on the phone call or on email? Who's yeah. written the word follow? Everybody, yeah, everyone. Yeah, because everybody. we're so conditioned. Yeah. When you call somebody back and you say hi, I'm kind of follow up. What are they thinking? Yeah, they're trying to move things where? Yep, to the next forward. step. Yeah, there's a few more other classic ones that we still have in the back of our subconscious from the '80s. Remember the other ones like I'm just giving you a call to what are the other one? Were those to to check yeah. in? Check in. Yep. Touch base. Touch base. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's terrible. And the minute they hear that, they associate you with the negative salesperson stereotype everyone hates, yep. especially now. So here's what you say instead. This goes right from our trust-based languaging work. You say, I'm giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation, any feedback on our proposal any feedback on our last email. So when you say feedback to people, that's not going forward. That's going backwards. You got to go away from the sale, the opposite direction. See, we're so conditioned. When we sense an opportunity, our instinct says, what? I got to move this thing? Yep, forward. Forward. <laughs> but when you shift your thinking to our approach, your goal is to get to the truth of what their problem is to see if you're fit or not. So ultimately, you're selecting them. They aren't selecting you. Yep. It's like when you go see a doctor, right? They don't try to become your friend and build a relationship with you. What they say to you is, where does it hurt? And you say, my shoulder. Like he says, let me take a look over here. Oh, right. Oh, all right. I think you might need an x-ray on that so we can really understand what the core issue is before I can even think about writing your prescription. See, in sales, what do we do? When we sense an opportunity, like that guy with you on the phone today, he's like, yeah. let me show what I got. Here's yeah. a prescription. It does this, it does that. And you're like, what? That's where we lose millions of dollars every year in selling by making those assumptions and skipping these steps because we've never been taught before how to constantly create deep trust with people until now. Yeah, brilliant. And so true. Whenever you're rushed forward, you never feel that way. So um, I think it's brilliant. I love it.
And what's the third principle? The third principle is the idea of 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 replacing your sales pitch. You know the 30 second commercial thing and the elevator pitch thing where you meet someone like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a coach and I and I do this. So we our models where you shift your solution away from discussing your presentation. Instead, you you focus on their problem. And this is your problem centric, not solution centric, right? Like, see what he did with you is he made an immediate assumption that you're a fit for a solution. And he spent no time unpacking your, your concerns and challenges at all because he just assumed you're a fit for the solution. And that assumption killed the sale and yep. killed trust with you and frustration. Yep. Uh, because he was, when he entered that call with you, he was not in diagnostic mode. He was in sales mode. And people listening today will relate to this because most people who have been conditioned to sell are usually in sales mode. Now, they'll, they'll say to you, oh, no, Ari, I do listen. I do ask questions. Yeah, they ask questions at what I call the service level of the iceberg to qualify. Then once they're qualified, they go right into the next step. What they don't do is they don't go below the iceberg to unpack the problems, amplify them, ROI the impact of them, and ask this question. And here's the profound telling question. Here it comes. You want to ask this question. Is this a priority for you yeah. to solve once and for all? Or you're happy to live with it and deal with it long term, and I'm okay either way. That way you own the problem. See, it's like yeah. a therapist and a patient. If the patient doesn't own their own problem, they sure as heck aren't going to want to solve it. Yep. And what he did with you is he stayed in his head the whole time. He didn't yep. have a process or a model for how to go into your world in a trust-based way to make you feel comfortable where your instinct says to you, this guy gets me. You know what he even said to me when I said, okay, you know, tell me about your process. So, you know, I want to make sure I understand so I can compare apples to apples. He knows that I have a bunch of proposals in front of me. So tell me about what you do. He said, that is my favorite thing to talk about. Oh my God. Yeah. That's my favorite yeah. thing to talk about what we do. I of course. Like, oh, he loves talking about himself. Right. Yeah. It was we, so we bad. This... There was not anything around that. I mean, this is such a great example because there was nothing. Like I said, he doesn't even know what my book was about. Um, you know, he did say, send it to me. We'll read it. But I'm like, I don't want to send you my book. But yeah, that, you know, it just, it just lost. It, I, he just lost me. What happens is that we have this internal need to be validated. Yeah. And psychologically, we're walking around wounded when we're trying to sell people because we're trying to look for ways for them to shine a light on us yeah. unconsciously for us to feel competent in what we do, you see? And what yeah. he was doing with you is looking for ways to validate what he believed was right for you. What he didn't do, yep. that and that assumes assumptions about you. And that's where he fell down because he was never taught how to create authentic, deep trust of people. And most people yep. listening today have never been taught that before. Now, when you're at home with your family and kids, it's very unconscious and natural. But when you get to work, what happens is we put what we call sales armor on us. We put this wall around yeah. us. We have to protect ourselves from these bullets coming our way. And we change who we are. We get in this rote, this kind of rote model and we get robotic. And all of a sudden we lose our authenticity. And you don't realize it, but they can feel it from you at hello. Yeah. 
This is really great. And I'm really glad I have this example because, you know, I can just play it out all out in my mind right now <laughs> in real life. And, you know, think back to some of these mistakes when I, you know, in my earlier career when I was a salesperson and so desperate to, you know, prove myself, well, make money, number one, right? Like, okay, I have no book of business and I'm 100% commission. I have to figure out, you just get into this desperate mode and it makes you do stupid things like make the sale about yourself. And, and you can just see that desperation coming through people. Like I even had somebody just recently, I said, I might be interested in what you have to offer. Give me until the first of the year, I'll reach back out. And I legitimately, like I, I was interested in learning more about this company. And on Monday, he scheduled an appointment with me on my calendar without wow. asking me. And then just wow. said, if this time doesn't work for you, let me know. And wow. done. Like, I'm not going to use them. How disrespectful. I I mean, I'm busy. I run two big companies. Like, how can you just b- presume that it's okay to, like, come in and take an appointment on my calendar and then have me let you know if it doesn't work for me? Like, I just cannot believe some of the sales tactics today. Like, what what do you say to somebody who did something like that? Just delete his contact. That's called dysfunctional behavior that is starting to, Go over to a direction you don't want to talk to people like that who don't care about you. Right. I know. It's just crazy. It's but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's, and I it's think, on LinkedIn. You know, it's, it's on every, look at LinkedIn right yeah. now. Look at your inbox there. It's everywhere. See what's happened yeah, is wanna... this. People have taken the old approaches from the eighties and nineties and now put them into new mediums. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm not cold calling yeah. them on LinkedIn. I'm like, yeah, but look at your writing. It's like the same approach, same mindset, burning through people. And boy, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Right so, now, so go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Right now. I was gonna say that I really believe the new currency is trust in business. And if you can't yeah. constantly create it in all your marketing and sales processes, you are losing a lot more than you're making. Yeah, I agree with you. So so you know, since we're on this topic of LinkedIn and in the virtual world. How how do you start to build that trust when there is so much noise, when everybody is getting bombarded with these types of messages? How do you break through and build that trust when you don't have that relationship, especially virtually, since we can't go and actually see people face to face these days? Well, you start your process, whether it's marketing or the actual competition around their problem. You don't market your business or your solution. You market the problem. You see, the whole front end of your marketing process should be not, here's what we do. Because here's what we do is a solution. They don't care about your solution. All they care about is, are you the one they can trust? See, we think they they care about how we do what we do. They don't care about, you don't really care about what his book process was. All you cared about was, do I trust and understand my unique needs? And see, we're so conditioned to believe in love with our own. And I tell my clients is all I say is I say, fall out of love with your solution and fall in love with your customers problems. I just let go of your world and step into theirs. Yeah. Well, I think that goes into one of the comments that you had in your book, one of the phrases from your book that I really liked, right? In this new economy, the sales no longer made at the end, but at the beginning. And I think that's what you mean by that, right? Is is it's about that problem, about putting the customer first. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. This is the premise of my new book with a one call sale, where the, yeah. the concept here is that now I'll drop a bomb right now, a little tip from what's coming from this book. But what I'll be making the case for in there is that your goal is not to build a relationship with someone in your sales process. You build a relationship after they're a client, not before they're a client, because relationship building and trust building are mutually exclusive. Yeah. See, we're taught when we meet someone for their first time, our job is to build rapport. Oh, hi, how's it going? Where are you from? Where, what do you do? Oh, great. See, we think we laid on thick because we think that's our job, but they know one, it's fake. Yeah. Two, they know they don't want to become your friend anyways. It's the social rules that you're we're uh, applying to. All they want from their perspective is to find someone they can trust to solve their problem. Now, if that's the true premise, then, and I'll make the case for this in this book, that you want to strip everything out of your process that feels like relationship building. Now, this is a real bomb because people are so used to what? That's what I do, Ari. I'm really good at relationship building. I got a lot of relationships. Oh, yeah, big network. I'm relationship, relationship. Like, yeah, but look at your sales number. You're, you're looking at the wrong goal. You got to be yeah. a doctor solving a problem, not becoming their friend. That creates a long sales cycle. And it, what it does, it mixes social norms and business norms. Now there's no obligation to move forward with you because they're your friend. Like, it's such an, yeah, it's a huge shift. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I mean, relationship building is probably overused. I mean, it is, it's something that we commonly talk about, but, but I, I think you're right, right? It is that whole trust thing. It is, it really has to come down for, tr for trust because you can have a relationship and have no trust. Do I know you can solve my problem and you can help me? Right. I think people get stuck on that old saying from the eighties, right? People, people buy products from people who they like. No, they don't. Like I don't like Amazon at all. <laughs> But they solve a very easy problem for me. I live in Correct. rural Colorado and with no shopping and I can yep. order everything I need and get everything I need. They solve my yep. problem. And I do not like them at all. Yep. So, you know, that's just such a cliche now. But I, you're right. People still use it. I just haven't thought about, Look, it, you thought about it in this, this pretense before. You can still have warmth and bedside manner like a doctor. You don't have to be yes. cold and move. You can still be your warm, beautiful self. You know, but you've got to be 100% diagnostic in your a process with someone via Zoom or your initial call with them and not talk about you. That It's a whole another way of thinking that because now you got to come up with questions to ask that really unpack their problem to the extent where you understand their world better than they do themselves. Because you know, in your experience as a business owner, that people come to you, they may say, they may tell you what they want but it's not what they need. How many times you talk to someone who says, oh yeah, I'm looking for this. And it turns out their real problem is that because they themselves don't even know their own problem. And that's yeah. the fascinating thing about this whole approach is that you have to go into your sales conversations assuming they don't even know their own depth of their own problems because they can't yeah. because clients view their world 180 degrees. All they can see is what's in front of them. But we on the outside, Let's see a 360, like a doctor can diagnose with the x-ray machine, right? The x-ray goes on the wall with the light and they can see things that you can't see as the patient. All you do is you feel the pain, but you don't know what the problem is. Yeah. Same metaphor. 
Well, and I like I like this um this this concept too because when you think about it as okay, I'm a doctor and I'm helping a patient, it also allows you to kind of push back a little bit to say, you know, like hey, uh, you know, there's probably a different way to look at this. And I think so many sales professionals are scared to push back on their clients. And so it's just easier to just say, this is what he asked for. So this is what I'm going to give him. And instead of that whole diagnostic, like you say, right, I'm going to really dig in and I'm going to redirect if my client is on the wrong path. So, you know, how, how do you advise your clients in, you know, sales professionals to have those types of, of trust based conversations that might not be easy. That might be a little bit, you know, challenging the customer, so to speak. Well, that takes courage. Yeah. And if you don't have courage to tell them the truth, you've got a problem. Yeah. What's happened is that you, you, but if you're hearing this right now and you're going, you know, right, Ari, I should become more bold in what I believe is right. I should help them see the truth of their own problem. Because here's the thing, they, they, you're okay to do that because they are looking for truth tellers. They're not looking for people who, who say yes, 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 yes. Because guess who's doing that? everybody else that's why you said to me about that guy you're like apples to apples because everyone's it's all commoditized it all looks the same what's the difference because we're all selling the same and most companies now are selling the same way so what i tell what i tell people is that if you want to differentiate in this new business world you can't do it on your product i'm sorry unless you're apple yeah. computer yeah. because the world's become commoditized a book publisher is a book publisher but publisher woohoo what's new about that but you can differentiate and become a category of one if you innovate and shift your sales approach. Yep. You innovate by the way you sell, not your offering. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. So I want to talk a little bit more about this trust-based language because I think it's such an important aspect. And you've given us a couple of, of phrases to use to create that trust. Give us some more of your, you know, of your of your secret sauce. Give us that trust-based language that sales leaders can weave into their sales pitches. Sure. Okay, I'll give you some classic ones that I'm kind of famous okay. for. So like typically in sales, you might say to somebody, would you be interested in this as an opportunity? So we use the word, would you be open? Because open doesn't force them into a yes or a no. Yep. Open creates a new space where they feel comfortable telling you the truth, right? Yep. Uh, for instance, even with objections, right? Typically in sales, we're taught when someone gives you an objection, you're supposed to overcome it. But what happens if someone tells you something that's true and you try to overcome it? What do you break with them right there? You create this trust with them. So yep. in our world, we diffuse. We don't overcome. We diffuse and re-engage again. Let me give you an example. And we got this all mapped out by every scenario possible. I would imagine the last 20 years, but here's an example. If someone says to you, your price is too high. In our world, what you say is this. You say, you're absolutely, absolutely. right. It can be, and here's the operative word. It can be perceived as high. No doubt about that. If you haven't had a chance to actually work with us, get the results to make the ROI to pay it back. You're right, from the outside in, it does appear that way. No doubt about that. Yeah. Yep. I just, that that diffuses and they get confused. Like what, she's not defending herself? Yeah. This is really strange. Said, yeah, I just said yes. That, this, is really, this is kind of weird. Then you say, yeah. the last thing I want to do is convince you to do something that you want to do. Yeah. Here it is. Would you be open? Thus relooking at your situation, different perspective. And building a business case for this, that makes sense for both of us, but that makes sense for you. Would you be open to that? Yeah. So I just, I went through a three-step process there. 
I diffused, yeah. I re-engaged, and I connected again without breaking the relationship. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. What's the best advice that you have for CEOs who really want to strengthen this process? Like, how do they get started with this trust-based selling method? Well, if this, if you, if the last hour resonates with you, you're saying to yourself, "Oh, he's so right. We've yeah. lost so many deals by chasing ghosts, probably because of us, not them." Yeah. Then it's time to reach out for some help. Yeah. You can't solve this on your own. That's the big reveal. This isn't like you can go fix it all yourself and your past ready to go. You got to get some outside help because you're too close to your own problem. Yeah. You need yeah. outside help. And I tell people, you know, reach out to us. You know, I do a live show on LinkedIn once a month called Stump the Guru, where you can jump on, ask me your toughest question. I'll do some coaching for you. We offer a free consultation. I mean, you, you got to you got to reach out and be vulnerable and get some help. And that's what I suggest to all of you listening right now. If this resonates with you and you're not afraid to have us expose the truth of your own problem, then be brave and courageous and fix it once and for all. You have an amazing year. And, and that's the next step. Especially when we've all been trained to sell the same way since, since, as you said, you know, the eighties, although I was just a very young child in the eighties. So I wasn't, I wasn't doing too much selling unless it was to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> But we do, right? We're doing we do it all the old school way. I mean, I I feel like we're a very progressive company in our whole in our sales and marketing strategies, and we still do it wrong, just based on everything that we've talked about in this last hour. I'm sure if I if you play the recording right now of your calls for salespeople, and I heard them live right now in recordings, I'd be yeah. we both be cringing right now. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because the sale is lost or made, not in the CRM not in the marketing is lost or made inside the actual conversation. Yep. And that's where no one wants to go. So my private clients bring me their recordings of their sales calls and zoom calls. I play them the live with them. We stop the tape, like a football game. We stop the, the tape and we say, stop right there. See what happened there. Yeah. You jumped in yeah. too early. You didn't go long enough. You didn't listen carefully. And they're like, Oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. They've been sleepwalking through their pitching process for years. And so how do you work? Do you work with teams or do you, like you just said, you working with individuals, like how does your process work? Uh, half of our work is done with uh, heads of sales organizations and CEOs who have large teams. Yeah. And also half is with entrepreneurs who have mm -hmm. to bring in some big deals, the whales, mm -hmm. so to speak, mm -hmm. versus the minnows and longer mm -hmm. sales cycles. We literally do one-on-one -on -one deep dive, what we call in deal coaching, where you bring your pipeline to us. Yeah, we meet on Zoom once a week like this. And you like literally just hear, already here's what I got pending. I I, yeah. I had a call with this company. They told me this. I told them this. They told me this. Now they've disappeared on me. What do I do? Like that's that's how we literally create money out of nothing because yeah. the majority of your see most companies they measure how much they've made. They've not measured how much they've lost, and yeah. most likely eighty percent of your revenue is still sitting somewhere in your pipeline, which is. For people who've just been you're chasing, we can recover a small percentage of that. That could double your business without any more marketing. Yep. I love it. All right. So we're going to have to wrap up the show, but tell us how people can find you. Anybody who this show is like, yes, and I need Ari. Tell me, how, how do they find look, you? I'm very accessible on LinkedIn. Go to LinkedIn, look up my name, Ari Gelper. Uh, connect with me there. Say hello. Uh, that we met here or go to unlockthegame.com. There's lots of options there. We have a free intro course, 
complimentary consultation with us and, and experience that in itself. See what it's like not to be sold. Experience what it's like to talk to somebody who actually diagnoses your problem but does not offer you a solution. <laughs> Just experience it in itself is such a beautiful thing. So don't be afraid <laughs> to step out and get some help because on your own, you're sleepwalking and, and you'll realize that once you work with us. All right. Well, this has been so inspiring. I've had such a great time. Um, I know that the Reflect Forward listeners are going to love this episode. Thank you so much for sharing your insight. And I'll include all that information in the show notes so everybody can sure. reach you uh, reach you that way. So thank you so much for coming on today. I Wonderful. really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Hang tight and I'll be right back. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Reflect Forward. I hope you have a fantastic day. And as always, if you like this podcast, please write a review, like it, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. I always appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.